Take a deep breath. The sky is falling. Maybe do what they did in the Cold War. Get get under your desk. Protect yourself. That little quarter inch, half inch pressed plywood with cheap plastic over it, which is sure to protect you from the harms of nuclear fallout, will probably protect you if the sky is falling. Uh, of course, I'm talking about uh, three-week-old news now here on Damaged Goods. Uh, Elon Musk bought Twitter and... I go on Twitter, as I tend to, to promote things like this podcast or my writings. And the fucking sky is falling, dude. Everyone's flipping out, freaking out. They're freaking out. He bought Twitter. And, you know, they're talking very bold and proclamations of I'm going to get off this and where are we going to go? And I don't want to go to Facebook and IG. Where are we going to take things? But we got to get off. This has been fun, y'all. My last days on Twitter. Very dramatic. And I like the drama, as I've stated in my writings before, I myself, Jake Frazik, host of Damaged Goods Podcast, is quite melodramatic. I like to be, as I've said again, uh, it makes things more interesting. But a lot of melodrama on tw- uh, Twitter about this, um, you know, with people stating they're, they're going to get off, and, you know, days go by, and now it's weeks, and those same people that I follow or I see the retweets of are still on Twitter, kind of, you know, singing the same song they were weeks ago of The Sky is Falling. Um, but the sky hasn't fallen. And uh, and they're still on Twitter. Still talking shit like they're going to get off of it eventually. If this is my last tweet, it's been real, y'all. Like they're about to get fucking murdered by some crazy government in some shadow conspiracy in another country. But, you know, they're not. They're fine. And they're still on there. And I'm like, just to make sure everyone's clear, I'm not like pro-Elon Musk or anti-Elon Musk. I don't give a fuck, man. Uh, probably a rich motherfucker ran and owned Twitter before, and now another rich motherfucker. Um, I tend not to like super billionaire, millionaire people, or multi-millionaire people. I don't think you could, you definitely can't become a billionaire, and I don't think it's really easy to become a hefty multi-millionaire without stepping on a few toes, without stepping and crushing a few toe bones and breaking a few feet and getting a lot of dirt and blood on your hands. But I use Twitter uh, as a promotional tool as an artist. And this episode of Damaged Goods, I'm going to tie it all in, is about social media and the arts, or the artist. And I thought, you know, this this big hoopla and hoorah on Twitter about Elon Musk taking over was a good way to talk about this. And we're not just going to talk about Twitter and the arts, but all social media platforms and how it affects artists, mostly. Not the arts, but how artists are affected by it. And what it was like before social media. B-S-M. Uh, you know, like B-C-A-D. Like B-S-M, which sounds like some sexual shit. <laughs> but um, I, I've always said this. Uh, that if I wasn't an artist, if I didn't have things to promote, I wouldn't have social media. I'd have an email for work, but I the reason I use Instagram and Twitter and used to use Facebook till they took away my page is to promote shit. I'm promoting books that I write and sell because God knows the publishing rate and, and promoting podcasts and downloads and sales and, and my radio show that I used to have. And I'll use it to post some funny-ass memes and jokes or maybe you know, display some of my writing, all again, just tied into promoting my shit so people will get it. Um, 
I'm glad the people who aren't, you know, artists and that just use social media for fun are on there because those are people that are, you know, consumers in a sense. I hate using that word, the C word, the real bad C word, consumers. But people that buy my shit, that support my shit, and I'm very thankful. So I don't, just because I say some fucking snobby, pretentious thing about social media like that, uh, don't go off of it. <laughs> Stay on there because it helps, you know, support me, an independent artist. Um... I'm going to go back, back in the day, some, some odd years ago, when I was an active uh, artist in the music industry. You know, I stopped being a recording artist and a performing artist and did work in, you know, live music touring for six years um, while I was starting my writing and doing podcasts and radio shows. But back when, when Jake the Snake was a, a musical artist, uh, I existed in, in an interesting time before social media. And then the beginnings of social media when I was making music. Excuse me, I'm parched. And the first one, um, the first social media was MySpace, which was a good one. It was great, actually, because it, uh, it was very simple. You, you know, especially if you're a musician, you have to post your music, you know, audio and videos. And you had, like, your eight top friends, which got to display your, you know, your hierarchy, your totem pole, for lack of better phrasing of who you liked the best in your life. It was great, and you'd see people would rotate that, and others would get very upset, or you know, maybe a girl that you had in your top eight that wasn't anymore now catches feelings, and she wonders who that other person was. Luckily for the Snake Man, my top eight was just the other greater good members, and you know, Special Blend who DJed for us, so I didn't have to deal with that. But it was very straightforward, you know. Uh, there was comments and shit, but it wasn't like going back and forth as fast as Twitter, and it wasn't glorified pictures and video like Instagram or TikTok, and it wasn't your aunts and uncles misinterpreting shit and getting bent out of shape like Facebook. Um, but it was the first one, and then shortly after, Facebook and Twitter. And it took a little while before it became kind of, at least in the music industry, it became kind of like, you know, everybody from your manager to your, you know, whoever you're working with. It's like, dude, you're not on Twitter. You're not using this. I even had a famous line in one of my songs, uh, put my cape on, where, you know, Twitter just came out and I was very much against it. I thought it was stupid. I said, Jay the ass, I do not Twitter. And then probably, you know, nine months later, yes, I was on Twitter. Uh, combination of peer pressure from my peers. <laughs> Who else gives you peer pressure but your peers? But management. And also I saw that, okay, this is a platform where I get to promote music. And, and, it, and, it, and MySpace was starting to die off. Then Instagram would come in. Um, and also, uh, this isn't, I guess, social media, but like SoundCloud and Bandcamp and things like that. And all these things, Facebook, MySpace, you name it, SoundCloud, what they served as was a leveling of the playing fields. And I should just state this. Social media for artists and the arts has always been and still is, most likely will remain a double-edged sword. You know what a double-edged sword is, right? I mean, it's a very sharp object, but it has its pros and its cons. It, it does one good thing, but it also does another bad thing. And it's, I guess, up to you, you the individual, to kind of weigh the two. Does, does one side sharper than the other? Does it pro outweigh the con? Whatever. Uh, the leveling of the playing fields in music industry, and I'm sure in film, literature, and visual arts, this was the same, but I know in music, for years... Uh, how do I just say it? It, it? Not like it was safeguarded, but you had these gatekeepers, the gatekeepers. And, you know, they these mysterious figures, whether they were some big cigar-chomping record exec or, you know, shady radio, commercial radio DJs on the take, 
to uh, the cool blogger at hip hop shows who dressed just like you, but these, these gatekeepers were the people that let people in the industry, aspiring artists. Oh, this guy's dope. This guy's whack. Oh, we like this person. He fits the template of right now. Nah, fuck that. We're not putting this guy on because he had beef with this person or, you know, whatever. These gatekeepers were the people who let people in or didn't. And uh, it was a real hard code to crack, a hard nut to crack. And that's why, you know, people needed A&Rs and managers and all these other roles. A lot of hands in your pocket of the artist, you know. By the time the money hits you, you know, a lot of people had dipped into the fucking collection jar. Or the collection plate, if we're going to church. Um, and the gatekeepers now were, were losing a little power, a little of their grip because of these social media platforms. You didn't have to pay exuberant amount of fees in advertising or even get a publicist or have a bigger label or management company promoting you. You could go on Twitter, MySpace, Instagram, and the like. With SoundCloud... And then YouTube, you didn't have to pay record promoters. Back when I was starting before, you know, I was even on commercial radio, I was doing college radio was a big thing, believe it or not. College radio promo. Especially in Boston, we had 88.9 Emerson College Radio, which is like the biggest in the country, especially for hip-hop. So I was always getting love on there, but then national college radio, I was charting really well, and you paid a record promoter. That was It wasn't shady. It wasn't payola. Like for commercial radios, this was standard but it mattered but with soundcloud and these other things you didn't need that anymore you could go right to the consumer so it's just to level the playing field it weakens the control and the power these gatekeepers had and it gives a little power to the artist and it's great for independent artists especially because a lot of times you don't got a fucking budget you know unless daddy or mommy's funding you and I didn't receive that, but I'd have to imagine if I was some rich parents and my son or daughter or child was, you know, pursuing some career in the arts, and if I was rich and well-to-do from the, say, whatever business corporate endeavors I'd had, I might look at their artistic endeavor and be like, why are you going to waste your time doing that dumb shit? Go get your job at the college and join the corporation. And I wouldn't want to squander my, my family money on my child's artistic endeavors. So I don't see that happening as much unless your parents worked in the entertainment industry. Then you kind of got hooked up. And you'd always hear these stories in the music industry. This guy got put on because his uncle is Barry Gordy's friend or his, his mom works at this label. And they would always bury that story. You'd hear that way down the line. But there was always an inside kind of plug. Um, but... Uh, my fault. You, you, you now we're seeing a change in this. Um, you didn't have to have the secret plant funding from these, from these labels. You could go right to the listener. And the listeners really liked this because they felt there was a direct connection with these new artists. Uh, that, that, not to say that mystique, but the... Like, you know, if you're in a limousine, uh, if you've ever been in one, that partition that comes up between the driver, or if you're flying in coach, you know, those little... See-through curtains, they close them so you can't see in first class, but you still kind of can. That partition, those curtains were starting to, to be taken away, and the listener got to feel more connected to the artist, which they liked. They got to feel like they were investing on the ground level with these new artists, which they also liked. And you didn't need these gatekeepers as much. And artists were, you know, you could take these, you know, lower quality audio versions, MP3s or whatever. They were DJing these things now in the club and on the college radio and internet radio stations, which are starting to get bigger. And YouTube, uh, huge. SoundCloud playlists, fucking huge. And the gatekeepers and their grips getting weaker and weaker. And it's a good thing. You get a lot of dope artists, but then you get a lot of crap because now there's a bigger influx. 
a huge influx. I mean, now anybody with a home, and also at the same time, I should say, home recording studios are becoming more affordable and easier. So now you don't need the big budget of going to the studio. Back in the day to be in the music, you needed budget. You know, recording was mad expensive. God forbid mastering, mixing. Uh, uh, if you had band rehearsal space, studios, and then any promotion on top of that, mad ducats. I mean, dudes were raising money for these things and nefarious activities if they didn't have that aunt and uncle in the music industry or somebody putting money behind them. Maybe you got some rich kid from the Burbs who believes in your music and they throw some money at your first couple albums and that's great. That's what happened to me. <laughs> and I was very lucky and then those first couple projects are done and I don't fuck with the guy, then you gotta find other ways to come up with your budget. But now you got SoundCloud and Twitter and IG and you don't need it as much. So you, you have a leveling of the playing fields, but it's a double-edged sword. Now, when, when the gatekeepers had more control, the, it, it sucked because if you were dope, it was hard to crack into the game of any art, not just music, but I'm using music because I know it intimately. Intimately? Intimately? Intimately, Jake. Jesus fucking Christ. I'm allegedly a writer. Hard to crack into it, but not all. There's a lot of crap that came out, especially in the pop music realm. But some of these gatekeepers, unfortunately, I have to admit, they had good taste, or at least not always great taste, but they could see whack shit and be like, nah, there's no way I'm letting that on the blog or on the radio show or on the mixtape or in the magazine. Mm. Sorry, beverages. But now that you've got the playing field being leveled, this is where the sword is double-edged, and it's sharp. It's very sharp. You do get some dope artists that you never heard of, you know, coming through that are fire. And then, you know, if people are taken to it and the, these gatekeepers hear it, they're going to still support it because it is dope, whether it's because it actually is or that the people are taken to it and they don't want to look like they're behind the curve, so they jump on board. But you got a lot of other shit coming through because when you open the floodgates, you get the fucking flood. You get a lot of crap. A lot of crap. And now with all that crap, you... I mean, you're overloaded with shit. And, and I feel like sometimes when you're so inundated with so much stimulation, whether it's the music or film or whatever, it's hard to decipher what's good and what's bad. And it's just boom, boom. And then some things get lost in the shuffle. Maybe somebody does have a song that's all right or it's catchy, but the rest of their shit is trash. And they're in the mix. And you've just got so much crap in the mix. And like... <sighs> I always used to say, like, you know, gave the keys of the kingdom to the posers. You got some shit that slips through, and then it's too late, and it's like a monster, You're like a Frankenstein monster that you can't control. You can't stop now. It's too late, and that's the problem, and that's what, you know, the double-edged sword is. You've got a lot of crap that comes in like that. Now, social media, for me, is beneficial. Um, you know, everyone's like, oh, Twitter's going to be ruined and lose it, like, or they're all pretentious and on their high horse. And maybe if you have a big audience, if you're Stephen King, who's always complaining on Twitter, and I've, I'm a fan of his writing, not so much his presence on social media, if you're that big, then you don't need that shit. But somebody like me now, I ain't nobody, but I ain't somebody, somebody, you know? I've got a decent following. But like I said, if I got publishers who aren't promoting my books, social media is a great, free, cost-effective platform, plural, way for me to promote my books. For my podcasts, I don't have to sink mad dough in, into uh, ads and publicists. I've got this. And it actually has helped me grow my shit. I do sell more books and get more downloads and streams. 
they deactivated my Facebook, like, I don't know, God, months ago now, five, five months ago or some shit, uh, right when my new book, The Waiting Room, came out. Facebook, most of my followers or friends or whatever on there were older. A lot of people that were my parents' friends. Thank God, neither of my parents, my father, rest in peace, neither of them were on there. Thank God, I'm so lucky. Um, but a lot of their friends and other people that I, I met through touring and music that I don't have as followers of, on Instagram or Twitter, on Facebook, I lost sales essentially to that and streams and, and stuff. Less people found out about my book, so it, it did hurt me. But... I can't afford to just jump off Twitter because of my cool ideologies that hate Elon Musk. If he did something that I really, really disagreed with, but I don't know what he has yet, uh, you know, and, and a lot of people are still just hypocritical about it because they're on there complaining about him, but they're still on there. And, you know, dude, so many things we use. If you got an iPhone in your pocket, Nike's on your feet, you're driving a fucking Benz, you might be supporting some companies, some industries, some corporations with filthy pasts, filthy presents, dirt on their hands. Fuck, dude, if you pay taxes in America, you got dirt on your hands. So let's all get off our high horses. Uh, the the double-edged sword is that, you know, um, Twitter and all social media benefits a lot of small artists, although there's some horrible shit on it. I do hate seeing all the crap on there. That's why I go on there, I do my promos, I say my little things, which are, you know, essentially promo, little writings, ramblings, funny memes, all the jokey memes are just to tie it in to sell books and podcasts and keep the thing going. So I use this platform, um, and a lot of artists on my level do, even ones, you know, smaller and even bigger ones um, that are famous, that have backings of big corporations and have budgets and stuff, they still use it because they know their fans like that direct connect even if it's just the uh, visual appeal of it or you know the appearance rather of a, a direct connection to this giant multi-platinum artist it benefits me it benefits them so that's why i use it but social media is tricky with the arts it's definitely changed the way you roll out any of your art how you how you plan it how you use it um You've seen certain artists benefit and grow from it. You've seen artists that were around a long time before social media kind of crumble you know, and deteriorate on social media. And you watch it and you wish, oh man, I love this person or these guys or whatever, but I really wish that I didn't see them on social media because it might show you parts of them you didn't know and you don't like now or it makes you like them less. Um, and that's the double-edged sword of social media for artists. So I think if you're an artist of any kind, in any realm, you have to be smart, you have to be savvy. I hate that word savvy sometimes. But you got to think about what I'm doing on here. And am I here for promo? Am I here for promo and to be funny and inter interact directly with my fans? And am I here for all that and to also fight with strangers on, on Twitter or, or you know, get jealous over Instagram posts that are fake or get lost in a TikTok rabbit hole or get disabled and banned from Facebook for God knows what, even though you just post the same things on everything else and they don't give you an explanation like me, fuckers. Uh, and, you know, you got to be careful because sometimes people cross that line and start doing dumb shit on there and, you know, you, you lose sight of why you're there in the first place. So hopefully I'm using my social media platforms that I have left, which is just Instagram and Twitter. No more Facebook. So I, I can't really afford to get off Twitter. I have TikTok, but I never use it, dude. I just, eh. And also, I do kind of suspect that TikTok, more than any other social media platform, might be bad for the moral fabric of all humanity, not just America. So, you know, be conscious of how you're using it. Pull back. Don't be on it too much, obviously, even if you're just a fan or a regular person who enjoys social media. But as an artist, be conscious of how 
much you're on there and what you're doing. Don't get into those crazy arguments. I don't want to argue with nobody. People throw up a bad comment or a negative thing or say some shit to me. I don't even respond like 90 .99 .9 of the time unless it's an easy thing like a clarification. Oh, no, here, let me clarify this for you since you're throwing this accusation. But I don't get into that argument because then we're both fools. Anybody who sees that on social media sees we're both fools. And I have my own reputation to uphold. Whether you care about yours or not, that's up to you. But I'm not going to engage with that. If we're at the pub or on the street or somewhere and we get into an argument, that's different. I'll engage with that all day. But not on social media. I'm there to promote shit and be funny and do artistic shit. So that's the, the double-edged sword of social media for the artists and the arts. And the gatekeepers, which are still, yeah, now the gatekeepers, you might say the gatekeepers of these tech companies, the fucking social media platforms like Zuck and the Facebook cats who took the snake man down. That's the gatekeeper. They don't even tell me why. Um, while you're questioning your existence on social media, go grab both my books, The Waiting Room and Quicksand. Uh, you can go to any of my social media at Jake Frazek, J-A-K-E-F-R-A-C-Z-E-K. On Instagram, at Damaged Goods Podcast, at J the S, that's eight, at J T H E S on Twitter. I got that crazy new poster print designed by Brendan Donnelly. We still got some left. It's super psychedelic and trippy on fine eggshell stock. Go get that. Uh, you DM me for that directly. And if you like Damaged Goods Podcast, go to the iTunes shit, rate it, review it. Listen on any platform, Spotify, wherever you fucking like it. But that's where the good stuff's at. I appreciate it. And we'll have some more guests coming soon. I'm going to go now and get into some fights on Twitter and see if I get banned.